0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thoughtcast. I'm Devan Chitakral, your host, and today I have two people with me who you've already met: Antra and Venki. <laughs> uh, as much we have kind of done podcasts earlier, which are slightly more business-oriented, project product-oriented. Today we're going a little more technical, especially for our designers, uh, designer friends, designer audience. Uh, We are going to talk about principles of uh, design that actually uh, form the foundation of the products that we build. They are here to kind of make sure that certain uh, tenets are followed, Uh, subjectivity is reduced. Uh, I'll rather pass the baton to Wenki Nantra to talk more about it. Because my limit, my knowledge to this domain is very limited. So welcome, guys. Again, thank you for spending another weekend with me. Thank <laughs> I love spoiling them. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having us here again. <laughs> yeah. So, why, thank
1: you? why don't you? Uh, yeah, like, yeah. So, um, I mean, firstly, this is going to be a lot of fun for the both of us, um, <laughs> as you rightly said. <laughs> um, we'll Maybe we'll not talk- for me, but yes. <laughs> I didn't want to say it out loud, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. Like this is uh, quite a technical subject, and it's surprisingly one that uh, not a lot of designers uh, currently, you know, take too much into account while they are designing, right? Um, So these laws are essentially uh, psychology-based laws. These laws have existed, as you obviously know, well before uh, user experience design has existed uh, as a field, right? Uh, and what they do essentially they they cover a, a wide variety of the different aspects of design right i mean to start off we can look at like the bigger picture laws that are the uh, you know example like aesthetic usability law which as you know is you know when uh, users perceive a design as more usable if it's more aesthetically pleasing and then there's obviously jacob's law which talks about you know how users spend their time on other platforms and they expect your platform to function in a manner that's similar to the ones that they are used to, right? Now, this is uh, like I said. Now, this you know might seem like a very broad-based, common sense way of looking at design, but believe it or not, that's what design is all about. It's all about uh, bringing in that common sense within the experience. I mean, wouldn't you agree that's the case?
2: I yeah, I absolutely agree. I think um, we talk about these laws of UX, right? When we are learning them during college or reading some article or medium. But a lot of it is based on real life experiences. So if I look at my washing machine, suppose, I should be able to understand how it works, right? Apart from, like, aside from clicking these 100 buttons and figuring that stuff out. So I absolutely agree, Venki. I think um, we look at these laws only when we're looking at the theory of it all, right? Uh, We don't look at the real life application of this stuff. This is just based on psychology. This is how people deal with computers on a day-to-day basis, not just websites, not just applications. When I'm looking at how a microwave works or my kitchen appliances work, or even say for that matter, how my car operates, everything is a computer. Mm. I should be able to simplify stuff for my user and say that, okay, these are my tasks. This is what I need to do and give it to me really simple. You know, there was this principle, I don't know if you remember, it was called KISS. keep it simple, (laughs) I don't know if it was silly or the last S. Keep it simple stupid,
1: keep it simple silly, yeah Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's
2: just talking about how can we minimize effort right in a Mm -hmm. world where maybe we're becoming lazier or maybe we've got really a lot more on our plates.
1: No yeah I mean you're right Uh, you know um, I mean we speak about these broad-based aspects of design and the you know psychology behind it uh, but uh, you're absolutely right about these smaller things that do lead up to the bigger design itself. And there are principles governing that as well. Right? You have Hicks law which talks about uh, you know, reducing uh, the number of choices and therefore reducing complexity uh, within the design. Correct. You have Miller's law that talks about you know, keeping uh, informational chunking, uh, keeping information within like a set of seven, plus minus two. Uh, You know and and when you dig deeper into that that is essentially just uh, you know telling you as a designer These laws are just telling you as a designer that this is how you need to build up from the ground up Right obviously this actually ties back to the user research as well Which we'll come to in a second But the fact (coughs) of the matter is that you need to have these uh, smaller things in place governed by these laws which you know people have taken their time to actually build using actual experiments, for example, going back to the aesthetic usability effect, right? Uh, now this was proven by the by Hitachi Design Labs. They conducted a test where they took took into account some 200-300 users, and they brought into play a very basic uh, UI UI, which is an ATM UI. What does an ATM have to do? Like it has three basic functions, like one primary, two secondary functions, right? And people still preferred the nicer looking uh, ATM UI versus uh, the, you know, like even if it it wasn't too functional, they preferred that over uh, the more functional one, you know, if it was uglier than the nicer looking one. So, uh, you're right, like, you know, it has to come from like, you know, the ground up. The the design, the psychology behind the design, you know, there is a lot of work that has gone into play even before uh, the industry came into being. So, of course, uh, you know we as designers look at this, and we have to look at the, uh, the laws themselves objectively, of course, but also keep it keep it in line with the users and the user research that we have now. So, what do you think about? Uh, you know, obviously, you are someone who likes Apple products. I'm assume, assuming the aesthetic usability effect, right, uh, right. you know, applies
0: more to you than anyone else in this room right now. What are your thoughts on this? I think they follow that kiss thing pretty well. <laughs> but you know, what I'm what I'm seeing lately, there's a huge transition that is happening, especially in the car auto displays, right? Uh, liquid displays. I mean, uh, you know, especially when Tesla uh, has launched. Uh, Their cars, I mean the central console is just a display, right? Every auto manufacturer is trying to do that, right? Now I don't think so, they're researching to an extent which is actually making the application of this whole thing user-friendly. I actually have to take off my eyes from the road to operate or navigate through that system. I would love to go to analog. That's the reason I like that hybrid form where there is analog and digital like for critical functions where i don't need to take my eyes off the road i like analog maybe the that digital is still not there for me right so what do you think like why wh- what should be the way to kind of understand or make it better I mean, then it will just have to
1: come back to plain you know, old user research, right? Right, right. I mean, we don't use these laws to sort of uh, force our design onto the users right. in a psychological fashion. That's not what's happening. Right, right. We, uh, and I think you can agree uh, with me on this. Now, when we start off creating a product. We start with personas, right? So we've effectively chunked a bunch of users into like one primary persona that is the one that is going to use our product, hmm. right? But within that primary persona as well, there is going to be a certain amount of subjectivity. What we are trying to do with these laws is that we are trying to make sure that a good bunch of the primary personas, right, actually resonate with what we are building. Now that obviously applies to the overall uh, uh, what do you call product. But then, you know, when you go into practice with these smaller laws and, uh, you know, especially something like the complexity based laws, now that you're doing to make their life easier, right? I mean, what can you uh, say about like Hicks law specifically, where, you know, when we're talking about complexities of choices, complexities of different uh, things that you have to do within the product? What, what would be your takeaway from that?
2: So, most of these laws, like you're saying, Venki, is to just make life simpler for the user right so take any law let's take Hicks law I have two forms I have a form where I've got 25 questions and I've got then four pages of like one word answers which which would you prefer right Um, even aesthetic usability it's about making stuff more tolerant it looks nice so I'm gonna assume it works well also Hmm. it's just introducing positive feelings in a user in a way that it makes the experience better better usable, easy, these are all things that we use, but essentially we want to reach a particular goal, right? We want mm. to start from when I open a page, I need. I would like to see what I'm here for and find it as easily possible, get out of there, get done with my work. That's the entire agenda. So all of these laws essentially are according to us, like we, when we work, right? It's yes. not outlining our work, but it's like every time we go away from it, they bring us back together. They bring us back to the point that, you know what, you're making things too cramped up. When a client comes up to us and says that, you know what, I have these five things that I want to do. when run through, I'm sure you can, you know, when you've been on our meetings, you can agree that I want most of the stuff to fit in a single viewport. I want everything available. But it's that point where we go to them and say that, you know what, I am a human being. Don't give me 20 things to look at. Tell me one thing to do and I'll do it really well. Okay. Right?
0: I think uh, client expectations, business objectives that always be skewed towards uh, everything being available for the user in one go. But you designers, I think you deal with something complex there because it's something that you have to balance. I don't know how you guys convince, but at the end of the day, obviously the experience that we push out is something that the way it should be, but it is a tough challenge. And I think the rules and the laws that we're talking about here maybe that really help convincing the <laughs> yeah. client that hey you know yeah. let's let's work work out our way through this yeah no, no absolutely i mean uh, i think these laws obviously
1: you know when talking to a client it's not like uh, when you talk to someone and you know try to lord over this information it just kind of seems like you're trying to be right yeah. but these come into play really well when you are documenting your design You know, when you're creating the document that says, "Hey, this is your information architecture. This is the reason that we've created it in like Mm. five to seven, uh, you know, sections, and you know, we have three to four subsections. It's because of these laws, right?" and Obviously, you know, using these laws in tandem always works best. Like you said, it's not just about it looking good or for that matter, when you said it's not just about it looking good, it has to work well, yeah. right? What does that mean? What does looking good mean? What does working well mean? It, it uh, you know it, It's easy to sort of look at these laws and understand what that might mean objectively, but put that together with user research and now suddenly you have the subjective viewpoint of your primary persona and what they think working well means or looking good means, right? Yeah. i mean uh, i mean i want to throw it, throw this back to you again because uh, what when you say that you know this works well for me or this looks good to me
0: what is it that you're thinking about it doesn't matter about me honestly right <laughs> what matters is like what that product is and what uh, what users are we targeting rather i think i would suggest why don't you guys pick up some good examples that we designed Right? And you you felt that, okay, for this product, I'm really happy I, I could apply the laws that I studied back in design school and all. I mean, maybe not 100%, but a closer, and the client was also you know in agreement to uh, to this. I think
1: that's a very good question. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to pick up my favorite one at uh, the last year and a half, uh, my favorite project, because I really think that we... Uh, we really use the laws uh, well in while while uh, creating local specifically their information architecture hmm. and what you said about the client or what you said about the client wanting everything uh, in the same viewport or all the information present to the user right eight uh, that was exactly the case with local yeah. where they wanted they had like some 15 17 sub navigation items in one of their uh, pages and they wanted all of them there. So now that's that's where Miller's Law came into play for us. We were like, all right, you know what? We can't do seven. We can't reduce from 15 to seven. That's impossible. But Miller's Law doesn't really talk about the magical number seven. It's about uh, you know informational chunking, like I said. And that we were able to use really well. Um, I think that was one of the biggest wins for us because that actually helped us build the product well.
2: I think one thing we should understand maybe is also that these laws are Invisible. You know, when we talk about wow. suppose Zomato. Yeah. Or forget Zomato. Let's go to a restaurant, we look at a menu, and we say, okay, what do I want to eat? I have desserts, I've got salads, I've got soup. These are categories. They've been existing for years and years. Hmm. Who goes and says, like, okay, no, maybe I want a soi or like a panna cotta hmm. or Something else, right? right? I need to categorize and chunk to even understand information that has been there forever. Now, we know that these laws exist. It's only upon understanding these laws truly can we decide when can we break them. So, when you talk about a particular project, there are times where we've followed them. There are times where we've maybe broken them a little bit. There are times where we've just skewed them a little bit to our advantage based on the research that we've Hmm. accumulated, generated gathered over like since we're collating so much information
0: now we'll keep bringing you great conversations keep listening keep watching subscribe on spotify apple podcast or uh, google podcast Uh, and yeah thank you